You are listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. Everybody, welcome to the Moisture Festival podcast. I am comedy stunt performer Matt Baker, and I am comedy magician Louis Fox. We are both performers at the Moisture Festival. The Moisture Festival, if you're unfamiliar, is a four-week festival celebrating variety arts in the Fremont neighborhood of Seattle. It is the largest festival of its kind in the world and features some of the best entertainers and comedians working today. The festival happens in the months of March and April, and not only do they have world-class variety acts, the Moisture Festival also hosts a week of burlesque shows. If you're listening to this during the festival, be sure to buy your tickets now, because 95% of the shows sell out. You can get tickets to all the shows by visiting the website moisturefestival.org. On this Moisture Festival podcast, we are excited to have Lily Verlaine, the multi-talented burlesque artist. Joining us in the virtual studio. We yeah. learned about her past as a classically trained ballet dancer. Yeah, we learned about how she grew up being a childhood actor and how that led her to becoming a producer, a director, a writer for a bunch of different uh, shows in the Seattle area and that tour all over the world. It's a fantastic conversation. Let's get to it with Lily Verlaine. A living, breathing work of art. She is a classically trained ballet dancer and burlesque artist who has headlined burlesque festivals all over the world, including Germany and China. She is a two-time title holder at the Burlesque Hall of Fame. We welcome Lily Verlaine. Yay! Thanks, guys. So, now, so good to be here. Yeah, I now I was reading that and I didn't know what two-time title holder at the Burlesque Hall of Fame meant. What does that mean? Well, I've participated in the Burlesque Hall of Fame competition several times, and on two different occasions, I was awarded an award in my category. So the first time was I came in second runner-up for Miss Exotic World. Mm -hmm. Uh, Miss Indigo Blue won it that year. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. And the second time I brought one of my favorite kind of most signature pieces to the Burlesque Hall of Fame, which is the Countess of Coffee, who I love playing. She's very sultry uh, with Paris and Trojan Original. And we won the category of best small group. Is that Ooh. the award sound? That was that was, yes. that was her, her acceptance speech is going too long. <laughs> They're playing her off. <laughs> I was going to say, let's back it up real quick okay. uh, for people who may not know what a burlesque show is. Ah. Uh, or what would you say you do? I would say that I present sexy and entertaining, clever little spectacles. That's a good, <laughs> good definition. Like okay. little sketches almost. Well, so when I'm doing a variety show like the Moisture Festival, for example, I'll bring a piece that's 
between like four and eight minutes long. But I also produce full shows that do also play some in some instances like variety shows. Mm. The burlesque paradigm kind of popped up around the vaudeville era. Mm-hmm. And it was much, much what we're doing in the Moisture Festival, comics, singers, jugglers, etc. And then they had strip teasers. And um, that is a, a piece of our of what we do now in burlesque. We are strip teasers. <laughs> okay, there you go. Now let's get back to the different categories at the festival. No, no, no. Now, now I have a historical <laughs> question now. Uh-huh. So, uh, so obviously this came back, came out of vaudeville. Did, did it have a, did a resurgence or was it just always slowly, you know, in the entertainment world? Well, it's, it's always kind of remained and, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's taken some turns, honestly. Um, there was, uh, let me think about this. How can I talk about the history of burlesque? Um, <laughs> So after it had its golden era, right, which was like Ziegfeld, Minsky, everything was very opulent and you know, it was very tastefully presented. Um, you know, it did, it took a, somewhat of a seedy turn, you know, it's mm. part of its history. It, it kind of laid the, laid the groundwork for strip clubs to exist. Um, and so kind of side by side, they coexisted. Um, and a great group of body, hilarious New Yorker women kind of exploded it back into the popular consciousness, along with, of course, the superstar of our galaxy, Dita Von Teese, mm-hmm. um, coming into the popular eye, and really allowed for us to kind of bring it back and, nice. yeah, and do what we're doing now. It's just, it's, an, it's been amazing. That's awesome. Well, maybe that seediness needed to happen so that uh, someone could sort of look at it and be like, oh, we can revive this and make it, you know, what it was. Yeah. And, and have fun with it, you know, and be creative with it. And I think one of the one of the things that kind of sets it apart from, say, the rest of like the adult industry, right, is it plays to the eye of many types of people. Right. So it's not this kind of patriarchal um thing that panders to the male gaze specifically that's you know males are absolutely welcome um but i feel that one of the things that we do is is really look for self-expression and and look for fun and you know it's not necessarily i mean money is nice but it's not um super transactional right it doesn't lead with a transactionality it's more this is what i'm doing and i hope that people like it enough to book me (laughs) (laughs) it's it's very much art-based though versus like you you do little vignettes or full shows that have a story or uh, an angle versus just stripping I hope that people perceive that when they look at my work. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so like when, for when you go to the festival, like the burlesque hall of fame, going back to that. Yeah. So there's multiple, obviously there's people from all, probably all over the United States, all over North America, maybe all world. over the world coming mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. And so do you, are you assigned a category? Do you compete in a p- particular category? Well, you apply to be included. And the Burlesque Hall of Fame, actually, it's a whole weekend. So there are several exhibitions. There is like a movers and a shakers um, exhibition evening where people bring like their more innovative, edgy things that kind of push the art form forward. 
Um, there is an evening that is devoted to the legends of burlesque. Oh, and cool. we are talking, yeah, ladies who are in, and gentlemen as well, actually, who are in their 80s performing. So that's always really fun and exciting yeah. and actually an amazing host, uh, the world famous Bob, who is an exceptional burlesque historian and someone that you might want to follow up with um, if you were interested in the historical perspective of what I'm talking about, because she absolutely handles that history with the utmost care and respect. That's awesome. Mm hmm. So some of those people were the, during the seedy years. <laughs> yeah, you're saying. totally. Absolutely. And they have serious stories. But uh, just so I can stay on topic, because I tend to, you know, wander off. Um, the competition aspect is kind of the one of the main events um, at the Burlesque Hall of Fame. And the main, main category is Miss Exotic World. Mm-hmm. And uh, Miss Exotic World started at the Exotic World Museum in Hellendale, California, which was a museum of burlesque artifacts on a goat farm. <laughs> that sounds like something Louie and I would go to for sure. Yes. We'd go to the goat farm <laughs> and we'd stay for the artifacts. <laughs> it was, yeah, it's, it was fabulous. Very, very kind of grassroots thing that cool. evolved and is now in Las Vegas. So there's Miss Exotic World. We in Seattle actually have two Miss Exotic Worlds, former Miss Exotic Worlds. We have Miss Indigo Blue, who I mentioned earlier, and we have Inga, who is also performing in the Liberties shows. That's nice. awesome. Mm-hmm. Wait, so, yeah, so you see them as like competition? Like, are you like, oh, no, 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 spying no. out their routines? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not competitive at all in, in competitions. <laughs> no. Clutching my pearls over here. Um, no, there are heroes, you know, yeah. I mean, and, you know, there's a particular alchemy, I think, that happens when one, when, when a performance coalesces and it just rises above, you know, everything else that's presented, which is also of the highest quality. Yeah. So I've, I've worked with both of them actually in many different projects. Yeah. Well, it's cool to be able to be in an industry where you get to rub elbows with the people that you maybe were looking up to when you were coming up in, in your art form and uh, be able to you know, be, have them as colleagues and comrades. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's pretty awesome. Oh yeah. Well, they're both educators actually. Um, it's now, I think, taking a little hiatus, but Miss um, Indigo Blue started an academy, which is the Academy of Burlesque, yeah, yeah. which is part of the reason that we have such a thriving burlesque community here. And that's, so that's here in Seattle. Yes. And it's also, they did virtual classes um, as well pre-pandemic, but of course, during the pandemic. Um, is that how you got into doing burlesque? No, actually. I... <laughs> I, by the grace of some miracle, ended up at a burlesque show in 2004. I did not even know what burlesque was, but I was at the rebar and suddenly there was this parade of these glamorous, sexy, clever body, amazing women. And I was like, I found my people (laughs) and I kind of just threw myself at the industry and having had a dance background, I think it made, I had a bit easier time entering the field. Yeah. I think I read you were like uh, classically trained in ballet. Yes, I am. And um, I still take class and I'm actually my new piece. I'm collaborating with Bruce Wells 
who was the former resident choreographer of Boston Ballet. And he was part of the New York City Ballet um, under Balanchine, actually. So he is an amazing human to have. Yeah, to be so you got some chops. What do you think you're better at, <laughs> ballet or burlesque? Oh, God, definitely burlesque. Um, but <laughs> ballet makes its way into my performances. Um, Is that, I, because I, I don't think I've, we've interviewed a few burlesque people and I have never seen that as something that they sort of touted as like they, is that common for people to be classically trained in dance for, to be in burlesque? You know, there are more and more of us, I think nowadays, um, because, you know, we, we tended to sort of attract each other. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm trying to think. I know Dita Von Tees does dance on point. She has some ballet training. Dirty Martini has ballet training. Um, but in the shows that I produce, for example, I hire classically trained people and more or less turn them into burlesque performers. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. I think I read an interview. You said you have, you, you prefer to think of it as a dance company versus a burlesque troupe. Mm. Correct. So that's my company house of Verlaine. It is an exquisite assemblage of daring classical artists. And um, it includes a bunch of classically trained humans. And we do some strip tease, but that project is definitely more about dance and comedy. Um, mm. we, we performed at the Moisture Festival a couple of times. We did a Viennese feather fan waltz that was all ballet, except we had these massive five and a half foot fans, actually, that came from <laughs> the Rockettes. The Rockettes gave them to us, which was really cool. cool. And wait, wait, wait. How, how does that go down? You just like text the Rockettes and be like, hey, you got some extra fans kicking around? <laughs> no, <laughs> my uncle. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I'm like, well, you know. Just to try to be, uh, the consolation prize for not becoming a rockhead on the dance line is they gave me all these feather fans. No, um, <laughs> second place. Exactly, I was like always coming in third back here. Um, my uncle actually played Santa Claus in the Radio City Christmas Spectacular. Oh, nice! For wow. decade, for over a decade. Mm-hmm. So, so my wife who's sitting next to me is probably jealous. So we just went to New York and they were closed while we were there. Oh, and no. that was the, like her one Christmas New York thing she wanted to do was see the Rockettes. Well, she could come to the Moisture Festival <laughs> and see the fans. <laughs> we actually use them in Land of the Sweets, my <laughs> holiday show. Let's go. Um, <laughs> it's happened. That, it's so, similar. It sounds like you have a lot of connection to New York. Is that where you grew up? Oh, I wish. I wish. Um <laughs> No, I moved a ton. I was born in Detroit and I was raised in Los Angeles. Um, I was a child actor, actor, actually. Um, I did like commercials and stuff. Oh, wow. I was, I was like, what, can you tell us what, what were you in a favorite? Like I did Cabbage Patch. Oh, we can, we got to look this up. Look, Louis, look it up. Um, Wait, were you a Cabbage Patch good. doll? No, 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 oh, no, no. Okay. I was, I was one of the children that they had in their commercials. Oh, okay. <laughs> and you're like, Thank you, Xavier. <laughs> this is my face is just a little squished. <laughs> that should be on the website too. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it was. I mean, thank God for YouTube. We can like find that kind of stuff. Right? You should. <laughs> you should maybe like recreate that in some sort of burlesque uh, idea, or you know. Oh my food. god! Me at the airport. Oh, yeah. That, that's just too easy. You just handed me that one. No. <laughs> Okay, so you were a childhood actor. So you got into the business early. You sort of had a thirst for um, performing. Mm-hmm, I loved it. And, you know, I acted in a bunch of plays. And um, But, yeah, I studied ballet. I went to schools like the San Francisco Ballet, the Walnut Hill School in uh, Natick, Massachusetts. I had some great teachers. 
but um, I kind of stepped away from it around my teen, my later teen years, which really should have been, I mean, that's the time you kind of decide you're going to go all in or not. And I went to college actually, and I studied creative writing, visual art, feminist theory with a minor in dance. And you, you created your own degree, right? I did. (laughs) Yeah. The other, the other degrees were just, you know, not what I was looking for, I guess. (laughs) So what was the degree called? Women in the creative arts. Oh, nice. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the university of Minnesota where I got my undergrad has this cool program called the interdepartmental individually designed major. And it's more or less a liberal arts degree, but you can, you know, specialize in, in areas that you pick yourself. Uh, and were you continuing ballet all through college also? Yes. So I had a great teacher there too, actually, Bonnie Mathis. She was from New York City Ballet as well. So, and then when I moved to Seattle, um, I, what was I trying to do? I was trying, I wanted to become a midwife, honestly. Oh, and nice. I know, weird. And um, there's a midwifery college here that I was sort of flirting with attending. And I d- didn't do that. <laughs> A lot of, yeah, Instead, I, I went to the free bar and, and found my calling. <laughs> oh, nice. So yeah. what, what drew you to the midwifery? Is that the right term? Midwifery? Yeah, midwifery. 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 I just, I love pregnant people and I love babies, to tell you the truth. <laughs> I just love being around them. I so love I'm going to take both of them at their most stressed out. and hang ah! <laughs> <laughs> It's like a production. It's just, it has its own timeline. You're like a stage manager, essentially. <laughs> Pretty much, pretty much. But I mean, it was kind of a really half-baked idea, you know, it was ah. nothing that I really seriously pursued. But I mean, I did move all the way over here, but. When you're, when your parents, you're telling your parents like, oh, you know, I did childhood acting. I was a ballerina. I, I, then I did, uh, you know, uh, major in, uh, what was it? Feminist, liber- feminist creative Wim- writing. Women in it? the creative arts. Women <laughs> in the creative arts. And then you're like, and then I think, and they're like, oh, you're going to put any of those to use? You're like, yeah, I'm going to be a midwife. <laughs> you're like, that Cabbage Patch commercial yes. set me up on this path. <laughs> Paid for my college with uh, my midwifery college with that Cabbage Patch money. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hilarious. That's, but uh, you are sort of putting it all to use. I mean, you're producing these shows, the, the Burlesque Nutcracker, um, all, all, I mean, all of that, probably everything that you've learned and talked about so far is probably all going to use when you're directing and producing and writing these shows. Thank you. Yeah. You know, it's really wonderful to be in the seat where I get to craft the worlds that I want to see happen, you know, and the worlds that I want to inhabit and live in and, you know, worlds where everyone has rights, Mm -hmm. you know, rule a a world where we can practice anti-racist feminist lifestyle, you know, um, that is just such a position of privilege. And I, I'm thrilled to be in it. And I thank God for my dad. Like, you know, my dad was like, you have to go to college. And I'm like, fine. (laughs) (laughs) And, but God, it just enriched my life so much, you know? Yeah. Well, you're talking to two people that never went to college. So we can't, we have no idea. You're talking to two people who barely made out of high school. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I started clever. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Tell us about the burlesque, the burlesque nutcracker. That caught my eye. Like, um, what exactly is that? It is a spectacle of ecclesiastic pageantry that happens at the triple door once every year, the month of December for the last 16 years. That's awesome. 
Yeah. And it's um, a co-creation between myself and Jasper McCann. It is a production that comprises a nine piece jazz orchestra and 16 dancers. Wow. That's mm-hmm. crazy. The same dancers every year? Is it the same show every year? Or? Well, you know, we try and move with the times. Um, so we're constantly rewriting, updating, oh, cool. improving things as we go. Oh, so like you put like modern twists on it. It's not like, because I'm like, the Nutcracker hasn't really changed. Correct. Correct. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you know, the Nutcracker has had a lot of problematic themes, you know, and it's really kind of come under fire. And, you know, it's given us the opportunity to collaborate, really put our heads together on how we can present something that doesn't hurt people, yeah. you know, and, and it's a constantly evolving conversation, you know, That's and awesome. every single year we're like back at the drawing board, move, trying to move with the times and trying to, you know, do our best by our, our fellow humans, mm-hmm. you know, so we actually recreated our T act this year. Um, myself, Paris Original, Alice Cow, um, who is one of our dancers, and also a seamstress, and Stephanie Seymour, really put our heads together to come to the table with something that is honoring, glamorous, beautiful, um, and doesn't hurt people. So yeah. um, it was months and months and months of conversations and research. And That's awesome. It's almost yeah. like you should you you could take uh, plays that have problematic content in all of them, and every year like just update them into like a way that is not so uh, damageful. Well, I really think that it's all across the art world that mm. that we need to do better. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and it's it's coming up in at every level. I think of yeah. the entertainment world. Yeah. Now, when I mean we as. American entertainers, we're very, you know, privileged to have, you know, grants and, um, you know, audiences that are welcoming. Like when you go internationally, like I saw that you were in Hong Kong, like how, how is burlesque received in places like that? Might um, You know, it just really hasn't been my experience. I think art is universal. I think I've all, I mean, I've always felt when I've traveled internationally, nothing but support and a great reception. That's and, awesome. Yeah. So, so I guess I'll follow up. Is there a, a big burlesque scene in China? <laughs> oh gosh. I mean, there are some amazing performers out of China, Hong Kong. I was actually hired to do a benefit um, for the Hong Kong cancer fund. And it was oh, basically cool. this huge gala and it was a bunch of different entertainers who were That's invited um, to participate but it wasn't like a burlesque show. I went to Shanghai twice with the atomic bombshells when I was working with them. And we performed um, at this nightclub called the glamor bar. We were there during the Olympics at one point and that was so much fun. And I mean, that was a tremendously international crowd, you know, and there's a big expat. I mean, it's obviously Shanghai. It's like, it's it's a a world-class city. city. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's extremely modern. I mean, yep. like LED buildings. I'm sure it's gotten crazier since I was there. You know, it, <laughs> it was just hyper, hyper modern. I was like, wow, this makes the U.S. look like a, a farm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty. That's where I saw it. Like at night, they had like a pop up cell phone launch party. And then in the morning, there was 90 people doing Tai Chi. Mm. And it's like the same spot. 
<laughs> so cool. Oh, I love, 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 love the East. Um, so what, what is one of your, like your highlights of, I mean, you've toured all over the place, you know, New Zealand, Europe, Asia, oh, Australia, Zealand. like New Zealand's a highlight. Oh, well. Yeah. What is the thing I mean, that like, Hong you're like, oh my God, that was crazy. So glamorous. Hong okay. Kong was so glamorous. It was but, like, you know, it was five-star hotel. It was, mm. I mean, it was massage chairs and in awesome, um, Mercedes limousines. Oh, wow. <laughs> Man. I gotta like, was, do some burlesque. Oh, it was. <laughs> I never get that. Man, it's an incredible private uh, dining club that was like that had this unbelievable art collection, beautiful food, great conversation. It was just unbelievable. Man, mm-hmm. so what's what's the one gig? I mean, that sounds like maybe it's Hong Kong where you where you're like you go. I can't believe this got me here. Ooh. Great question. You know, anytime I'm on an airplane that someone else has paid for, a t- <laughs> like paid for a ticket. Like when I went to New Zealand, I did not believe that I was actually going until I was on the plane and the door was closed. Yeah, right. And then I was like, okay, it's happening. <laughs> and then there's someone at the airport with your name on a sign. It's like this is yeah. crazy. There was a camera crew actually. That's a, that's wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a great festival, the World Buskers Festival. And I got hired because of a performance at the Moisture Festival. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. In Christchurch? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Oh, awesome. So, so you did some busking or? No, the, the Daredevil Chicken Club actually kind of mm-hmm. scouted me um, and recommended me to the presenters. And we performed in this big tent that was in a park because the city, I think you all are aware, had, had a major earthquake Yeah. that leveled it more or less. And um, so the festival moved to a park. So I was there and I was at a casino as well. That's great. (laughs) And so, you know, typically buskers, buskers pass the hat for money. Is that what Uh you were doing in the tent also? Oh my God. Well this, okay. So this was crazy. The entire festival pays on donations. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of awkward for me, honestly, to like stand next to the audience with like a bowl yeah yeah <laughs> you're not used to it if you, that's not the way you, you you go about doing your show it's a, it could be a little weird it yeah. was but you know the, everyone was so unbelievably generous yeah i bet that that kind of stigma just quickly dissipated yeah mm-hmm. well and i've i've been to a number of busker festivals and i can't remember a time i saw a burlesque performer at one so maybe mm-hmm. you were you know stood out among the rest mm. Well, they did a whole burlesque thing. Oh, gotcha. Ah. Okay. So it was myself, Lily Lascala, the Daredevil Chickens hosted it. Who else was there? Trixie, Little and the Evil Hate Monkey mm-hmm. came for a couple of years. Uh, Nadine Dubois was a host. Anyway, yeah. So we did, we were sort of sequestered. <laughs> there was an age limit on people coming into that tent at that That's time. That's amazing. <laughs> now, and then you all had your, do you have to bring your own bowl or? No, no, they recycle those. <laughs> they they have, they made us very um, able to succeed. Ah, uh, every Buster Fest I've done, I had to bring my own hat. So, <laughs> oh, that's well, so- you got to go to the wrong ones, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking maybe it would be cute if I had like I don't know, like a wig cap or something. Yeah. Uh, now, yeah. Um, I watched I watched some of your videos on your website, and they're all like beautifully done and beautifully shot and super artistic. Yeah. Is that how you came to perform at the Portland Art Museum is through some some of that, um, you know, artistic 
performance? Well, you know, I've been so fortunate because I've had so much support in creating a repertoire. And the reason I got the Portland Art Museum gig is I created this piece based upon a Picasso painting, which is women supported on cushions. And essentially, um, I started performing it when I broke my foot. Um, I used to teach ballet and I, I literally broke my foot teaching, but I was able to have a removable cast and I was still getting hired for gigs, but I couldn't dance. Um, I could sort of like waddle onto the stage. (laughs) And so I did an act where I was seated and I painted my body white. And then I painted myself on stage live with all of the colors of the Picasso painting. And it, um, yeah, I did it at the Moisture Festival actually once. Um, Ron Bailey had asked me for years. He's like, can you please do that act? I'm like, <laughs> no, it takes days. Yeah. It's days of my life. It's laundry. It's And the stage crew is like, please don't do that. There's going to be paint everywhere. <laughs> oh, God. oh, do you want to hear a story about a disaster that occurred? Oh, yes. Sure. Okay, yes. so this was an on-tour disaster with, um, with that piece. I was distracted while I was buying my body paint and I bought the wrong color. So I arrive in Basel, Switzerland, ready to paint myself white. And I like put the paint into my hand and it came out like electric blue. Oh no. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And fortunately the MC had painted his face with clown white. So, but it was grease paint. So I asked him, hey, can I use some of your paint for my piece? And it looked great, but it was oil-based. I couldn't get it off. (laughs) So they had like booked a shower for me at this venue, right? So like I had a place to go take a shower and I had an assistant because, you know, like honestly, you can't wash that level of physical paint off of yourself. You need an assistant. And this woman, I mean, I was in the shower for two hours. Oh my God. And the people who hired me were all like research scientists. And their idea was they were going to get this grease paint off of me with acetone. Oh no. (laughs) And finally, I'm like crying. I've used all of the hot water. I'm freezing. It's like four o'clock in the morning. And finally I'm like, oh my God, it's a restaurant olive oil and i got it off with olive oil oh nice but it took hours for us to like figure this out and the whole time actually they had made us signature cocktails that were like named after ourselves and all i wanted the entire time i was in that shower was to have my signature cocktail (laughs) by the time i got out of the shower the bar was closed and all i could have was a beer oh (laughs) tough did you already know that olive oil would take off clown white or <laughs> no no i just had some experience removing makeup with oil and but it just took a very long time for us to come to this conclusion ah. this would be the solution not right, did... nail polish remover <laughs> the conclusion i'm coming to is i'm doing the wrong gigs man <laughs> Like you got assistants who will help you shower. You got cocktails named after you. You get like limousines set up. You get lifetime supply of olive oil. (laughs) Yeah, right. You're sponsored by an olive oil company. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, I'm creating a new piece for the festival this year. Oh, Oh, nice. Yeah. So I'm kind of in rehearsal mode right now. Um, And if the pandemic taught me anything, it's really about the strength of my community. Mm-hmm. and just how much we all got each other through the yeah. last couple of years. 
And um, this piece is probably the most collaborative solo work I've ever made for myself. I haven't made a new solo piece for myself in like seven years. Oh, wow. I've been much more focused on, you know, crafting my companies and bringing other people up. And I just wasn't that interested in my own performance. I was like, well, maybe I'm not that good. Maybe I'm not that great. I'm just not interested in me. But there was an, there were some seeds that had been planted in my brain about a particular statement that I wanted to make that just never coalesced until like two months ago. Um, I was in my car and suddenly it was like the muse spoke to me Nice. and this piece that I've wanted to bring to life forever, but was just missing the element, like the glue that held it all together mm-hmm. came. And so I'm collaborating with some incredible people. And um, Bruce Wells, who I mentioned earlier, is assisting me with some of the choreography. Um, it's very much based in ballet. Mm-hmm. Uh, the technical elements I'm working on with one of the um, technical people from the Moisture Festival, Kyle Sobel. He does our lighting, but he has a great technical brain. He had one of my sets built a few years ago. So we're working on a very spectacular technical nice. presentation. And um, who else am I working with? Oh, the costumers. Hello, Mark Zapone. He is a costumer for Pacific Northwest Ballet, is creating me this magnificent, magnificent costume, quite conceptual. And Eric Andor, who also works with the ballet and has a tremendous uh, background in interesting designs, is crafting me a stunning headpiece. Nice. Nice. So do you get nervous since it's been that long since you've debuted a new piece? Is it like a little bit nervous to think like I'm bringing something on stage that, you know, I have never performed before? Well, I think what I'm really feeling is that I need to be accountable to the group that I am working with. And everyone is working so hard that I just hope that I do my part well. (laughs) And yeah, I guess a lot of pressure. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'll get stage fright or... I have no idea how I'm well, going you to have, I mean, that's the thing is you have all these people in your corner already. He's like, you, how can you fail when you have all, all that support? Well, so I'm curious how the process works. So do you come up with the idea and then you find the people or do you all get together at a table and go, okay, let's work on a solo act based around X? Well, I saw the whole thing coalesce in my brain at the exact same moment. And then I was able to hire these individuals to bring it to life because okay. I do not have costume skills. Yeah. <laughs> now, when you've developed stuff in the past, was it always that sort of eureka moment? This like, or was it like, I, you know, I have a one piece of an idea then later, or is it all just happen at once all the time for you? When we're talking about solo work, it tends to be an aha moment. I'm usually mm-hmm. trying to respond to something um, in my work. So... I mean, like, for example, my broken foot, like if I, if I'm solving a problem, like the whole thing will come together fairly quickly. Um, I did a piece by an evolving piece um, of art called my Polaroid piece where essentially I flip the power dynamic of audience and performer. And I was doing that in response to uh, someone trying to hire me for a gig and being really misogynistic. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, I totally know how I want to seek my revenge on this person. And then it turned into this piece that like was on the boards, you know, mm-hmm. because it turned into like something about politics and, yeah. and vulnerability and power and control, you know? Um, so it's, it's, I'm usually, yeah, I mean, I'm usually responding to something. 
That's rad. Well, I'm hoping that maybe there's a piece done about the Moisture Festival podcast <laughs> down the road. We're making it right now. <laughs> you can't even see what I'm doing from the waist down. <laughs> so, uh, how many? How many years? How did you get involved in the Moisture Festival? Uh, well, I met um, Kathy Sutherland and Rhonda. Uh, I'm not sorry. It wasn't Kathy and Rhonda. Excuse me. It was Martha Ensign mm-hmm. and Kathy Sutherland. They were doing a hoop aerial duet. And I was so impressed with them. And we were all at the Columbia City Theater together. I think we were at an event being produced by Tamara, the trapeze lady. And she was one of the curators for the Moisture Festival for a while. And I can't really recall if Tamara brought me in or if I just really worked to make friends with um, Kathy and Martha because I wanted to be part of something that had this level of quality, mm-hmm. you know, and that in like their cleverness and they were working with the Aerialistas at the time and their work was fabulous. So I, I just really wanted to be a part of it. So I think I submitted an application. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. You've been in this for a long time then. Oh yeah. Cause if it's 2005, when was the first one? They're on their what? 16th year. Yeah. yeah so probably one of the first ones. Yeah, for a couple of years. And um, I never did the burlesque shows at Hales when they were there. So mm-hmm. I came in I, after the after the first time they had done burlesque. Yeah, so. yeah. You've performed at both venues, Hales and uh, Broadway Performance Hall. Correct. Um, you have I did a- the variety show because I did this um, non-burlesque thing. What, what, what was it? I was a banshee. <laughs> <laughs> and what did I do? I um, I did all this research on what the banshees do. One of them is scream a lot. And the other one is there was a, an aspect of folklore that was attached to the banshees, which is that if you ever saw a banshee wa- washing your shirt in a river, it meant you were going to die. So I would I found someone from the audience to give me their shirt and then I screamed at them and hold on (laughs) what was the banshee creation routine a response to that is a great question i do not know you were just Um, eating a hot dog and spilled some mustard on your shirt (laughs) (laughs) she took her her clothes into the laundromat they screwed them up she yelled at them i had this costume that was like okay this was a response to me um needing to economize and work with what i had at the time and that was this piece of netting that had all of these pieces of fabric tied to it. So it just looked like I was wearing this like rag thing. <laughs> and I was like, huh, this kind of looks like a sinister Irish spirit. That's awesome. So, oh, yeah. It was St. Patrick's Day. I was doing a St. Patrick's Day show. Ah, that's mm-hmm. awesome. What, and, uh, what I love about you live in Seattle, correct? I do. Yeah. What I love about, you know, when I lived in Seattle was that all of my friends are converge on the city for three weeks and i would imagine it's the same for the burlesque uh, world where it's like you're in one you're in your home and then all these people that you love and admire and have collaborated with come to the moisture festival and you get to hang out with them in your own home yeah it's so wonderful i yeah. mean the entire culture that the, that is created by the festival is like intoxicating yeah being backstage with people you know looking at their costuming, seeing how they're, do- they, how they're doing their makeup, listening to them tell their stories of you know, what's going on in their town. It's wonderful. And obviously we haven't been able to do it for quite some time. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing too, is not everyone lives a life that we live. So you can't do no. that. You know, if you go to the 
the lady at the bank and you're like, how do you do your makeup? It's a little weird. <laughs> you got to do that. You next time you go to the bank though, just to see. Oh, you weren't talking to me. <laughs> yeah. I was talking to you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it, we are very lucky to be in Seattle and especially like, how does the burlesque element of the moisture festival compared to other sort of burlesque festivals? Oh, interesting question. I think the Moisture Fest one needs to add a war, like a competition phase. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> well, that would add so much stress, to tell you the truth. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, competitions are so stressful. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I haven't been in one for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> but does it stack up? Is it, you know, similar outside of not having a competition? Question. Um, I mean, for myself, I tend to use this festival as an opportunity to make new work um, when I'm not having to produce a full show and I can just focus on my own performance. It's such a gift. So usually, you know, I'll make something and then it'll I'll use it for years. And in this case, mm. like I have invested very, very heavily in the costume. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> so it better work out. One of the most expensive things I have ever bought. <laughs> Wow. You're like, and I own seven houses. <laughs> and I own a small <laughs> island in the Bahamas. <laughs> so do you pref- okay, so if we can cut this if you want, but speaking of houses, it sounds like you have a gig as a realtor. Before the pandemic started, um, started taking classes in real estate because I wanted to buy a house. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I didn't feel empowered. You want to save that 3% on your own? Well, it was more I didn't understand the process. Ah. And I didn't feel that home ownership applied to me. And so, and I wanted to get to the root of why I felt that way. Mm-hmm. So I decided to get a license <laughs> to answer nice. that question. And, and did that help you find a home? Well, not yet. <laughs> I mean, the pandemic really, it wiped me out. I mean, it wiped yeah. out my business completely for it's two brutal. years. And that was very hard. I mean, super challenging. So I'm glad though, that I had something to focus on that wasn't like, oh, my life is over. <laughs> ah, yeah. So I devoted myself completely to the industry and I've learned as much as I possibly could. Um, I did join a firm. I have made many sales. That's amazing. (laughs) Are you ever like uh, showing a house and someone goes, Hey, are you Lily Verlaine? No, that has not happened. Uh, (laughs) I think I present myself very differently and I don't speak on stage really. Uh... I think I'm not that recognizable. But one of the things that I'm really committed to as a realtor is fair housing practices. It's the thing that really motivates me to be in the industry. And my hope is that I can really help other artists and people who don't feel that this method of wealth building applies to them, learn that that's actually not the case and that there are ways for us to enter the market. Totally. Uh, That's super cool. It sounds like everything you do, you kind of jump all the way into. And it's all about empowering yourself, too. You're not like, hey, I'm going to be the tic-tac-toe champion just to do it. I know, I don't really have any hobbies. Like, <laughs> Is that your personality is when you do it, it you like make a business out of it? You, you're like, you know, think of, you make your life that thing? I, I guess. I mean... I'm definitely motivated by careers. I mm. mean, I'm, I've always been really married to my work. I mean, I guess I've, I mean, I've worked 
professionally since I was three. And you're doing Cabbage <laughs> so, Patch commercials. <laughs> yeah, and it's fun. You know, like it is so fun, um, this line of work. And, you know, I was in the privileged position to do it professionally for, you know, 20 years, uh, yeah. burlesque specifically. And I'm just at a place where, and, you know, if you if anyone sees my work that I'm presenting, it's, very, it's quite different than the work that I've presented in the past. So I'm curious to see how it will affect my future career in the performing arts. You yeah. Know. Do you but, ever, yeah, sorry, do you no. ever look at old videos then and that and how you've grown and go, Oh man, I did that. Oh. <laughs> what was I thinking? What was oh, I, no, thinking? I just relive those things in my mind. I do not need to have a video. Definitely not the Banshee though. The Banshee is uh, forever <laughs> the greatest thing ever created. Oh, God. I mean, I have done some monumentally, not intelligent things in my life. Well, that's the thing. It's just taking risks. I mean, like you, you, you don't, unless you try it, you don't learn and you don't sort of, you know, and that, that's what I like about ideas is, is just like, give it a shot. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You're onto the next idea. You're not hung up on thinking if this will work or not, just do yeah. it and get it out of your system onto the next thing. Indeed. Indeed. And yeah. you know, sometimes you pick up two or three careers at a time and you're like, Oh, okay. Now I have, a 24-7 work schedule. Yay! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, um, we don't want to take up all your time, but uh, if people want to watch videos, learn more about you, lilyverlaine.com is the website. I think you're on Instagram and Facebook too, same name. Yep. Lily Verlaine. Um, any, anything else uh, you want to plug or... Um, uh, you know, I don't really have any performances coming up. We've moved our spring production uh, this year uh, through the Looking Glass. It's the Burlesque mm. Alice in Wonderland. We've moved it to the fall. Um, it'll be there in the, at the Triple Door in September. Awesome. <laughs> so, and in the meantime, I don't know. I think I'm just going to be enjoying this time of life where things are opening back up and I get to be in my town and seeing friends and performing yeah. and doing all the things. So. And uh, putting to use all the money you spent on this uh Cool costume, costume. and uh, routine. Ooh. You're just gonna wear the costume everywhere. Yeah. You know what? I would if I could get myself into it. It takes three people to get and me. And olive oil. And olive oil. Oh my god. Oh. Oh. Ugh. Well, we really uh, appreciate your time today. I know you got somewhere to go, so, uh, so thanks for fun. thanks for uh, meeting us over Zoom. Yeah. You. It was so much fun to chat with you guys, and thanks for all of your amazing insight and reminding me that I've had this life. <laughs> oh, yeah like, it's pretty it's very impressive oh thank yeah. you yeah yeah one foot in front of the other just keep saying yes to things and it all happens <laughs> that's the key mm -hmm. <laughs> that's how i ended up with a kid so i don't know wait you have a kid <laughs> no i just, I just... <laughs> <laughs> all right well thank you so much we really appreciate it thank you Thanks,
All right, folks. Well, that's it for today. Just a quick few plugs. Of course, go to moisturefestival.org for all things Moisture Festival. You, they also have a Facebook page, an Instagram, and a YouTube that you can sign up for. And you can get all the information if you want to volunteer, if you want to donate, or if you want to fill out the questionnaire to be considered as a performer as well. You can do that all on their site. If you want to find out more information about Louie and I, you can find Louie at louiefox.com. That's with two X's. Yes, and you can find Matt at comedy stuntshow.com. You can also check out the podcast that Matt and I do called the Odd and Offbeat Podcast at oddandoffbeat.com or on iTunes, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, all that jazz. If you like weird and unusual news stories, that's where you need to go because the Odd and Offbeat Podcast is all things weird. Yes. So check that out. If you like this podcast, you will love our podcast. So be sure to check that out. So we want to thank our guests for today. That was a lot of fun. And, and we want to thank all the donors and volunteers volunteers and performers that make the moisture fest happen as well without yeah. them we wouldn't be here talking to them absolutely so get your little slice of moisture festival at moisturefestival.org and thanks so much for listening folks see you soon thank you for listening to moisture festival podcast and stay moist